0: We've been look, focusing a lot the last few weeks on the name or names and their impact. Uh, we looked at the name of Jabez and then we looked at name changes that we see in the scriptures because names matter. You know, did you know that back in the day there was a car by the name of Chevy that Chevy made called Chevy Nova? Did you know that? In Spanish, Nova. And so when they introduced it to Mexico, it wasn't real popular. Chevy Nova. It doesn't go. <laughs> Seriously, names matter. Um, there was a lady that uh, decided to go and attend another church on a Sunday, and she went. Uh, her name was Gladys Dunn. Gladys Dunn. And so she went, and she was in the service, and and the preacher got carried away. He just went a little too long, and so after the service, she went to greet somebody and said, "Hey, hi, my name is Gladys Dunn," and the guy says, "I am glad it's done too." Yeah,
1: <laughs> names matter.
0: <laughs> names matter. Now tonight, I want us to look again at First Chronicles chapter four. Verses nine through ten first Chronicles chapter four verses nine through ten it says Now Jabaz was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabaz, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabaz called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh that you would bless me indeed. That was his first prayer. For blessings. Was, oh, that you would bless me. What? Indeed. 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 Now, and the Bible says, he continued, And enlarged my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Now, through Jabez's example, we learn an important principle regarding prayer. And it is this. How people pray, not who they may or may not be, is what gains heaven's attention and response. Jabez's prayer is simple, yet direct, in recognizing that God is the source of any blessing or personal success. And when you look at how he prayed, you can hear and sense an earnestness in his praying. There's a desperation in his praying. It wasn't who he was or who he wasn't that made the difference. It's how he prayed that moved the hand of God. Now, what was his request? Jabez was asking God for a real blessing. The word indeed speaks of something without question, undeniable. So he was saying, God, bless me for reals. I want a real blessing. That was his request. So my question tonight is, what constitutes, what makes up, a real blessing. What constitutes a real blessing? Now, of course, in our society as a whole, we think that blessing is really something that's connected to the material. Something that is tangible. Something that we can touch. That to us is a real blessing. you like... I was driving fast and the cop didn't catch me. I was blessed, right? Yeah. That was a blessing. Or I got a pay raise. That's a blessing. You know, those things that we see for ourselves or experience for ourselves that benefit us, we consider that a blessing. But tonight, I want to focus on another aspect of blessing that often is overlooked, but that I believe is discovered in what God did for Jabez and another individual in the Scriptures who asked for a blessing. Here it is. Sometimes the real blessing is not what God gives to you as much as what God does to you and in you. Let that sink in tonight. Sometimes the real blessing is not what God gives to you as much as what God does to you and in you. I want to look at another prayer for blessings found in the book of beginning, the book of Genesis. In Genesis 32, verses 22 through thirty, it says, and he arose that night, and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then who? Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him. Until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him. He touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. How many of you would agree that that was a painful experience? Having the socket of your hip come out of joint. That would be very painful. And it says, And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, that is Jacob, I will not let you go, unless you what? You bless me. So he's asking for a blessing, just like Jabaz did. Oh, that you would bless me indeed, for reals. Jacob is asking As well for a blessing. And look what happens immediately after he asked for a blessing. Look at the response of the Lord to his request. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. The late Bible teacher, Warren Weersby. He notes the following. God meets us at whatever level he finds us in order to lift us to where he wants us to be. To Abraham, the nomad, God came as a traveler, Genesis 18. And to Joshua, the general, he came as a soldier. Joshua 5, 13-15. Jacob had spent most of his adult life wrestling with people. Esau, Isaac, Laban, and even his wives. So God came to him as a wrestler. I love that. God comes to meet us where we are in order to lift us. To where we can be. God encountered Jacob where he was. At the present state in the process of his journey. In order to lift him to where he could be. And tonight I want to make that clear unto us. That the blessing, the best blessing that we can experience is not what we we can gain materially or economically, but it is what God can do to us, in us. Now, notice where he crossed over at. A place, a river called Jabawaki. No, it wasn't. Jabbok. Say Jabbok. Jabbok means, watch this, pouring out. Or emptying. That's the place where he would discover his blessing. The place of pouring out or emptying. This is important. Because in order for you and I to experience that genuine blessing, that real blessing, of what God does to us and in us, it requires our willingness to pour out. To empty ourselves. Because did you know God can't do anything for a man or a woman who is full of themselves. God can't do anything for a man or a woman who is full of themselves. And this teaches us that in order for us to experience that real blessing that will lead to lasting Change in our lives. We've got to be willing to pour out. To empty ourselves. Look what the psalmist says. In Psalms 62 verse 8. Trust in Him at all times you people. Notice. Pour out your what? Your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. I like the way the passion Translation puts it. In the Passion Translation, it reads this way. Join me, everyone. Trust only in God every moment. Tell Him all your troubles and pour out your heart longings to Him. Believe me when I tell you, He will help you. Pause in His presence. And if you study that passage of Genesis 32, 22 through 30, what you discover is the blessing was initiated when Jacob was willing to pour out, to empty himself. And some of us are saying, what's it going to take for God to bless me? It's going to take you and I being willing to pour out what's in us. Empty out what's in our hearts. Why? Because when we pour out what's in us, it makes room for God to pour in what He's longed to bless us with in our hearts and lives. The blessing that Jacob experienced wasn't so much a change of circumstance as it was a change of character. Sometimes we pray, Get me out of this! And God is saying, We need to get you out of the way. Because sometimes the hindrance to God's blessing flowing to us is us. The problem that is serving as a clog in the flow of God's blessing coming to us is us. Some of you are like I came to get blessed. Um, this is the way for blessing. <laughs> and watch this. What? Did God do when Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me? God posed the question, what is your name? What is your name? And his name is Jacob. Jacob. Conniver. Heel grabber. Someone who is constantly pulling your leg trickster, schemer. God was getting him to admit who he truly was. Because who he truly was at that moment was the reason why he wasn't experiencing the blessing of God. God was bringing him to the place of facing the reality. My greatest enemy... Is in (laughs) a me. And here it is. Change begins with confession. Change begins with confession. Speaking the truth of where I'm at. Speaking the truth of what I'm dealing with in my life right now. Change begins with confession. Confession. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. Again, I love what Dr. Warren Wiersbe says. He says, it is as if God is saying to Jacob, are you going to continue living up to your name, deceiving yourself and others? Or will you admit what you are and let me change you? He continues, isn't it refreshing that the people God chooses to use in Scripture are so messed up. <laughs> it gives me hope. What about you? And I love how God meets them right where they are. And works with them where they're to help them become the people they need to be. I want you to get a hold of this truth. If you and I will understand that it is those Who acknowledge their weakness. Who then experience God's greatness. It is those who acknowledge their weakness. Who then experience God's greatness. What are you saying, Pastor? Until we admit the truth about our condition. We will remain as we are. So the question is. What is Your name. Until you can say, my name is bitterness, you can't be healed. Until you can say, my name and what I'm feeling right now is like a failure, you can't be a success. Until you can say, my name is deception, you can't be blessed. Today, tonight, I want to encourage you, come to God as you are, and admit where you are, admit your condition, then you can experience transformation. This is an important process. In God changing us. Because we never change until we honestly face and admit our faults and sins and weaknesses and mistakes. God will, watch this, God will not go to work on our problem until we first admit that we've got a problem. God will not go to work on our problem until we first admit we've got a problem. We need to say, Lord, I'm a mess. I've got a problem. I admit it. It's at that point that God can go to work. As I study Jacob's life and this encounter, there's another prayer principle that I see, and it's this. The external problems... We bring to God in prayer are sometimes answered by a miracle of internal change. We think if God gets me out of this, then my life will truly be better. And God's saying, I don't need to get you out of that as much as I need to get you out of the way. By getting you to be honest about where you're at right now. When did Jacob prevail? When did he overcome? When did he conquer? When his thigh was out of joint and all he could do was hold on. And get the blessing. Did you get that? When was he blessed? When his thigh was out of joint. And all he could do was hold on. And get the blessing. This is important that we get a hold of this. Because what it teaches us is that the way to promise is through our pain. The way to power is through holding on to God in our pain. You want the blessing? Don't let your pain turn you away from God. Don't let it cause you to go astray from God, to run from God. No, in your pain. Hold on even tighter and you will find strength, help, blessing. The man who is the lowest down is the man who God lifts up the highest. The man that has the greatest humility will be the most exalted. So why is it, why is our walk with God sometimes a crawl with God? Why the lack of passion for our Savior who gave His all for us? Why the lack of victory over sin in the average Christian life? Why the lack of power to shake the world for Christ? The words of Billy Sunday ring true. He that is a stranger to prayer is a stranger to power. You see, his wrestling symbolized his persistence in prayer. His wrestling with God symbolized his refusal. To be denied the blessing. His clinging to God in His pain symbolized His unwillingness to let go until He received His blessing. And I'm telling you, through experience and through walking in this walk with the Lord and watching others that have gone before me and have I've had the honor to walk with, That I've learned through them and learned for myself. That time in the presence of God, even when you're in pain, even when you're oppressed, even when your soul is vexed, is never wasted time. Because when you spend your pain, your time of pain, anguish, and oppression in His presence, there is a release of a power that is greater than anything that you're dealing with that is released in you. I'm telling you, this is why you hear it often here. Time spent at the altar, not just here, but in your own altar at home, will alter you. It will change you. When was Jesus transfigured on the mountain before Peter, James, and John? Luke tells us He was transfigured while He prayed. That's what we see here. Jacob was changed from being a conniver, deceiver, to becoming a prince with God through wrestling and persistence in prayer. Now here's what I know. In adversity, when we're dealing with trials and troubles and tribulation in our lives, we usually want God to do a removing job. When he wants to do an improving job. So. The best way I can. Bring this teaching to. A conclusion. Is through what I found. In one of my resources. Written by. Bible teacher David, David Bryant. He writes this. God gave Jacob the ultimate answer to his prayer. Watch this. He showed his face. Look at that. He showed his face. That's why he called the place Peniel. I have seen God face to face. He showed his face. Watch this. An encounter with God that so changed Jacob's life and perspective. He could now see, watch this, the face of God as he beheld Esau. He said it in Genesis thirty-three ten: Looking at you, it's as if I see the face of God. <laughs> this is amazing that when you spend time in God's presence... And you allow Him to change you. It changes how you view life. You begin to see God wherever you go. This is powerful. Watch this. To see God's face in a life-transforming encounter is is the goal of every prayer. God wants to reveal the knowledge of His glory by the power of His Spirit in the face of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians four, six. Now look what the psalmist said in Psalm 27, eight. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. You see, there are those times where God will give you a nudge. Where the Holy Spirit will create in your soul an ache. And that is God prompting you and I to seek His face. Because He knows what is about to happen. He knows what we are about to encounter. And He knows that before that encounter, If we will respond to His prompting, we will have an encounter with Him... That will change us as well as pour into us His power so that no matter what we encounter after that encounter with Him, we will be able to see Him. See Him in the face of what we confront in life. We will see Him. We will see Him. You see, this is why David goes before Goliath and he says, you come to me one way, but I come to you in the the name of the Lord of hosts because he was seeing more than Goliath on that valley of Elah. He was also seeing the presence of God with him. That's what gave him confidence. And when you spend time before God and allow yourself to respond in the affirmative when He nudges you, to call on Him, to seek Him, you will experience Him pouring into you that peace that passes all understanding, that joy unspeakable and of of glory strength that is really his strength being imparted to you so that when you go and encounter whatever is before you the rest of your day there is not a fear there is not a timidity there is not a withdrawal but there is a confidence i am not facing this alone in fact i see the face of god here he is at work here too and this is why the psalmist also says in Psalms 105:4, "Seek the Lord in His what? Strength. In His strength. Seek His face forevermore." I've been in church a while, and I've heard it said: we, the people of God, we love to seek His hand. What he will give, what he will do. But true satisfaction comes when we seek his face. Seek him not for what he can do, but for who he is. I want to encourage you seek him. So tonight, I want to let you know that God is willing for you to be the very best you. You make it possible but God makes it happen. You make it possible when you get honest with God, like Jacob. And then He makes it happen through His power. Charles Stanley reminds us, fight all your battles on your knees, and you will win every time. The great devotional writer Oswald Chambers notes, Prayer does not equip us for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. Begin in prayer. Wrestle with God until you have that peace that passes all understanding. And you know, you know the funny thing about prayer? More often than not, It doesn't change your situation as much as it does you. Look at Jacob's life. For his prayer to be answered, God needed to do a work in him, particularly with self-centeredness. He had to get Jacob out of the way. He had pride in him. He was still trying to work it out. He knew his brother was coming, so he sent out 400 men to, knowing his brother was coming, 400 men, he sends out gifts, he sends out one group with gifts and tell him these are all for him, trying to soften his brother's heart that he felt was coming to take vengeance on him. He was still trying to do the work on him by himself. And so what does God do? He says, from now on, you're gonna walk with a limp you're going to be marked with a visible disability to remind you and those around you the only way you can keep on is through dependence through trusting in someone else other than yourself trusting in me and you know what that's a blessing That's the true blessing, where we get to a point in our lives when we realize, unless God helps me, there's no way. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, like Jabez, we pray, oh, that you would bless us indeed. Bless us for reals. We've learned tonight that the real blessing is when you change us. It's what you do to us and in us. And your work in us and to us can only happen when we're willing to be honest with you. When we're willing to confess where we're at right now. And we're willing to name what's in our heart right now. If we confess our sins, Your Word says, You are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank You, Father, that You're ready to bless us with the real blessing. A blessing of transformation yeah. I'm going to invite you right now those of you that would say Pastor I need God to work in me I want Him to work in me I want that real blessing I want to be changed through Him I want Him to transform my life I want Him to get me out of the way so that His blessing can flow in me and to me. I want His work in me. I want to be dependent on Him. I want to learn to trust Him more. Lean on Him more. I realize that's where the true blessing lies. Where I lean on Him. And not on my own understanding. I need to get honest with God tonight, so that I can have that real blessing. That's. I want you to make your way forward to this altar. You can kneel or stand, but come if that's you, because I'm telling you, when you come in that, with that disposition, that posture of humility and honesty, God will give you grace. He will release to you supernatural imparted ability. I know it well in my life. I've seen it in others. When they got honest with God, He came in His power and did in them and for them what they could not do for themselves. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. Come. I want God to bless me with the real blessing tonight. Come. Come and get honest. Come and pour out your heart. Some of you, there's some stuff inside of you that you need to get out. Pour it out before Him. Pour it out before Him. And then He will pour into you what He's longed to give you. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you.